Welcome to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Margot Jaco. Are you a clinician looking to find the balance between providing compassionate client care and business agility? This show will help with things you need to know to start or grow your practice and better serve your clients. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. So glad to have you here. And I'm very glad to have our guest today. I'm always glad to have our guest, but this is a guest who I think is very well known. Well, I don't think I know is very well known in the Chicago area therapist community, has been around for a little while and has done so many iterations of a work life that I think Joyce Marner is a fabulous, fabulous guest for us to speak with. So let me tell you a little bit about Joyce, just in case you don't know. And Joyce, we have people from different parts of the country who listen. So if they don't know about you yet, hopefully they will. Joyce Marter is a renowned psychotherapist, absolutely national speaker, entrepreneur, media contributor, author, and mental health thought leader. She's the founder of Urban Balance, a national outpatient mental health company, and the author of Financial Mindset Fix. Joyce currently travels around the country delivering talks, keynote speeches, and educational training related to mental health, addiction, relationship issues, and more. Welcome, Joyce Martyr. So glad to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm excited for this conversation. I am as well. And yes, we have had you on before where you discussed your book and the way that you help people really think about and and work through some of their blocks around money, which many therapists have, and especially practice owners. I've noticed, I'm sure you've noticed that as well. Yes. And as therapists, I think we all specialize in our own issues. And I definitely have dealt with money, anxiety, and financial trauma and stress. So I love helping people move through that and recover and thrive and prosper. Wonderful. Well, your book is great. I uh, have it sitting right next to me over here on my desk. So it's a good resource, folks. The uh, link for it will be in the show notes. Please do pick it up. It's a good read for you and would be a good read for your clients. So today, actually, we're talking about life after selling your practice. So Joyce, I know you speak around the country. I have an opportunity to consult with and talk with practice owners around the country as, you know, and probably a slightly different capacity, but I'm sure you're aware of how much private equity is just going in and really wanting to invest in mental health right now. And you've been through this journey. You are one of the few people that I know uh, who have been through this journey. And I think partly it's because not many really have, at least in the Chicagoland area. And Certainly, we get inquiries you know, weekly from private equity groups who are interested, as do other practices. And we're a fairly large practice, but individual practitioners are getting these inquiries as well. So folks I'm speaking with, practice owners are saying, you know, they just want to understand the process. Maybe they'll be interested. Maybe they won't. Other folks are saying, I'm retiring in a couple of years. I really want to know about this. And so I thought, what a great opportunity to pick your brain and learn from your wisdom. So can you just start with your journey as the founder of Urban Balance? Let's just start there, because that was where that journey began, I think, for you. 
Yes, absolutely. So I started Urban Balance in 2004 and set the intention to create an insurance-friendly practice that was in network with most plans to make therapy accessible and affordable. And we started at one therapist at a time in the downtown Chicago area, and it grew because of the need. So it sort of grew very rapidly before we had the systems and processes in place. So I had a business partner who was a dear friend. And unfortunately, we ended up in cash flow hell. The bigger we got, the more money was outstanding in insurance. And it became very stressful. And she actually left the practice in 2011. I thought I was going to have to file bankruptcy. It was a very scary time in my life. And Thankfully, I reached out to everyone I knew for help, and a neighbor said that I needed a business valuation. I didn't even know what that was, and he sent me to his CPA, Tim Kenny, who I remember handing my QuickBooks file to him, and I was in tears, and Tim did a valuation of my practice, and he said, Joyce, your practice is actually worth a multi-million dollar amount. And I said, how is that possible? I'm hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. And he said, your business model works. You truly just have a cash flow problem and I can help you. And at this point, I was pretty burnt out, unfortunately, clinically and professionally, because I'd worked so hard to build the business. And Tim asked me what my exit strategy was. And I said, what's that? I don't know what that is. And he said, well, when you built this company, what was your end goal? And I hadn't really thought about that. I was so in the moment of building the practice and living my life as a working mom. And so he began to coach me through the process of developing an exit strategy. And I realized I had about five years of energy left in me for Urban Balance. So I worked really closely with my leadership team and really strengthened the business. And five years later, put it on the market. We had 50 prospective buyers and eight offers. And I made the very thoughtful decision to sell to refresh mental health and haven't regretted it for a second. I'm very happy that the company continues to grow and to serve and that I've been freed to do the work that I really feel called to do at this point in my life, which is speaking and writing, as you mentioned. Hmm. How lovely is that? So you were able to turn the practice over to other people who would take care of it and help it continue on its journey. And then you could be freed up to do the things you really wanted to do. That sounds, I think, for a lot of practice owners, especially post-COVID, like a delightful, a delightful plan. So, right. So you don't regret it at all. I don't at all. I had so many people say to me, but Urban Balance is your baby. And I really, truly felt that way. But I felt like I'd been pregnant for 13 years and it was time to (laughs) give birth and let go of that baby. You know, so when you sell a practice, you, you have choices. I really wanted to sell and be done with it. Mm. I didn't want to stay on as the CEO or the executive director, which is often an option for people who are selling their practice. So I always encourage people to really think about what it is that you want when you sell. 
Do you want to be freed of your role? Do you want to just see clients or do you want to continue on in a leadership role either within your practice or within the parent organization? Which you did for a while, didn't you? And are you still connected with Refresh? I am not still connected with Refresh, but yes, I did. They offered me a part-time chief brand ambassador position that really fit with what I was organically doing. So I do a lot of media interviews and blog writing, article writing. And if I were promoting Refresh and Urban Balance, I was fulfilling the needs of that position. So it really was a win-win situation. And my endeavors grew and refresh grew, and that was not a needed thing for either of us after a couple of years. So it was a nice transition. Mm. And I was able to invest in the parent company, which was something else that was really important to me because I was in my 40s when I sold Urban Balance, so not anywhere near retirement. So I still wanted to be in the game. I still wanted some skin in the game, and I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And um, so I was able to negotiate to roll over some of my buyout into stocks within the parent company, which proved to be an extremely valuable investment. And I ended up actually earning more through that investment than I did during the initial sale of Urban Balance. That's fabulous. So there are so many elements of these deals, and that really is what they're called. I went to a conference last year through the BRAF group sponsored it, and it was yes. an investor conference. And they talk about how there can be the initial sale, to your point, there are several different types of sales, and then there's the, what they call the first bite of the apple and then the second bite of the apple. And the first bite of the apple is we will pay you X number of dollars over a period of time or all in one lump sum for your practice. And then depending on how the practice does after that, you can have a second bite of the apple, meaning you can invest, take some of the money, put it in, and then you'll get that return later. So sounds like that was the option that you chose. And clearly, you're glad you did. Very much so. Very much so. I actually had a third bite of the apple because they had sold at one point and I was able to reinvest, but now it's game over. They were bought by Optum and and I'm no longer a part of that, but it feels really grateful and really fortunate to have had that opportunity. And I really think my business broker, Mike Adhikari, who helped me negotiate the deal and really was my advocate during the process because there were pros and cons with every offer. As you mentioned, some buyers were giving more upfront. Some were giving notes, which is basically a promise to pay you if the, that's contingent on the business's performance. So Refresh gave me a nice amount upfront. And then there was a contingent part that if the business grew 20% in the first year of their ownership, I would receive that second portion. And it did. It made that benchmark with leaps and bounds, flying colors. And so I was able to get that money. And then they often take an escrow in case there's any kind of legal issue. If, you know, God forbid, a client from the past comes back and sues from when you were owner 
you have some funds that are in an escrow account in the event that anything like that happens. And so I was able to get the full escrow back as well. So it was a very trusting relationship with Refresh. So I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Some of the offers wanted me to stay on as CEO, which I didn't want, as we talked about. Some of them, I just wasn't as confident that their mission was aligned with my mission for Urban Balance and my hopes and dreams for it. I employed a lot of women, for example. One of the buyers seemed, frankly, quite sexist. And I thought I can't, in my good conscience, sell to somebody who wouldn't love my employees the way that I have. Mm -hmm. And so those were all parts of, of my decision. I also really wanted a practice that would keep the brand of Urban Balance alive. And to date, it still is a brand. It's in multiple states. And that makes my heart happy. So those were all of my considerations when selling. Mm. Yeah, clearly you were very thoughtful about it, as we would expect that hopefully people are. And this was a buyer that you really liked. Sounds like you employed somebody, you named the gentleman you employed, the person you employed to help you with that. So when you you started down this path, if you were to try to walk somebody through who's somewhere and is deciding, you know what, the next year, two years is probably the time I want to go where would they even begin? Well, I think one of the places to begin would be to have a conversation with Refresh Mental Health and some of the larger entities. You can have an exploratory conversation without making any commitments. And I've known many people who've had those types of conversations and then said, you know what, I'm not ready, but let's keep in touch. And maybe in three to five years, I will be. But by having a conversation like that, you can learn kind of high level what your business might be worth, what an offer might be like. Maybe you'll learn some things that you could work on to strengthen the value of your business. As I mentioned, I had a business valuation and that was done by my CPA, Tim Kenny, who I also highly recommend. He's in the Chicago area, but works nationally. And a business valuation can tell you what your EBITDA is, which is this formula that's sort of profit after overhead and taxes. And it includes your owner's pay. So if you're paying yourself a salary, that counts as part of your EBITDA. And practices sell anywhere from one to 10 times EBITDA. I think many mental health practices sell for two or three times EBITDA, if I'm correct. I was fortunately able to get 10 times EBITDA because of some of the unique value systems that Urban Balance had in place. But having a business valuation or having some of these initial conversations will help shed some light on the process for you and what your options are. As I mentioned, I used a business broker and they take a percentage of the sale but it paid for itself a hundred times over. There's no way I would have been able to sell my practice for the amount that I did without having a professional. They list the business on a sort of mergers and acquisitions site or multiple sites that maybe we as therapists don't have access to or know about. And it's listed blind. So it would say, you know, a mental health company in the Colorado area with 30 employees is seeking a buyer. 
So it doesn't say your name. So you're maintaining your confidentiality, which is kind of part of the process because you want to have these conversations, but you don't want to be so open about it that word on the street is you're desperate to sell because your staff might leave and you might end up hurting yourself by being sort of overly open about your process. Yeah, that makes sense. So you said, Joyce, there were some things that were unique to urban balance that were helpful in the process of the sale. And part of that you learned through this process. So would you say that would be different for each practice then? Yes. So in my relationships with the other centers that Refresh owns and some of the owners of those centers, as well as coaching clients that I've worked with across the country, different practices have different strengths. So if you have a certain niche market that you serve, a certain clientele, a certain population, or you have specialized training or credentials or expertise that draws in a certain market, or maybe you offer intensive outpatient or day treatment, or maybe you have great psychiatrists on staff, which are always widely sought after. Urban Balance had a, we were page one Google when doing a search for a therapist in the Chicago area. So our Google rankings for the website were extremely high. And that was really the result of starting early and spending a lot of time and energy on our digital marketing. I did a tremendous amount of blogging for the Huffington Post and media interviews for places like the Wall Street Journal. So every time a site that's really credible links back to your practice, that increases your Google rankings, which also increases your referrals. Great. Yeah, that's wonderful. Right. You were, and I think continue to be really a thought leader in the field of certainly, I'm sure you're an excellent clinician, Joyce, just because you have such a lovely, you know, you're just such a lovely human, but the way that you have approached business has been really smart. And it's that nexus of, I want to be good to my therapists and my clients, and I want to be a smart business owner. And as we know, plenty of people get sort of caught in not knowing how they can balance the two. So will you speak just a little bit more to the process of EBITDA? You know, how do you find out your EBITDA? Do you have to go through your accountant, your CPA to find that out? Can you do the math yourself? What does that look like? I think you certainly could do the math yourself to get a ballpark guess of what your practice is worth. Or if you're currently working with an accountant, you could ask your accountant. I was shocked to learn that now a formal business valuation is very costly. It can cost ten dollars to $20,000. I didn't pay anywhere close to that, but it was several years ago. And so, you know, I think you can search how to find the formula online and then look at your, your books and plug in the numbers. And with the EBITDA, then the next step is you have a broker, you start having conversations. So myself, I had worked for Employee Resource Systems, which is a large EAP. So I started talking to the EAP people that I knew and asking, is anybody interested in buying a practice? Because I thought it might be nice synergy for cross-referral. And then I learned about private equity and venture capital. 
and started to research the differences between those. I did have some VC firms reach out to me about selling to them. They seem to be a much quicker process in terms of you know closing within 30 days, but more likely that you would get one times EBITDA. So I did not choose the VC option. I started having conversations with people who were in the field and some business professionals. And so there were investors that were interested. There were people who had worked in other businesses that are similar to therapy, like dental offices. It's become their industry is kind of ahead of mental health in terms of the private equity groups really bought up a lot of smaller group practices and solo practices. And now there's so many larger dental companies. So individuals that had worked in that space were interested in then moving over to behavioral health care and acquiring practices. So when Urban Balance was on the market, we had kind of a mixture of people. So some people were behavioral health experts, like the folks at Refresh Mental Health, and some were not. Some were investors who bought and sold businesses. Some were had owned previous service industry businesses. And so what happens is when you select a buyer, you're under contract. It's like when you're selling your house and you accept an offer. And at that point, you agree not to have conversations with anybody else. So you are accepting their offer and then you go into the process of due diligence, which is like being under contract and going through inspection when you're selling a home. And during that time, they really look deeply into your financial records, into your your malpractice history, if you have one, and your credibility online. It's sort of They'll look at your leases and other contracts that you have with insurance companies or other organizations. They'll look at your referrals and just make sure that everything is the way that you said it, that it is. And they also want to make sure that everything is legally sound, that you've been conducting your business in an ethical way, that you've paid your taxes, that you're following your professional regulations. And when you go through due diligence, sometimes they can find something like they do during a house inspection where they may then ask you to fix something or they may bring their price, their offer down a bit. That did not happen with me. Thankfully, with Urban Balance, things were the way they, I said that they were because we'd spent a lot of time. I had a great leadership team that worked tremendously hard to help with that process. I did share with my leadership team that I was selling because they were some of my closest friends and trusted employees. And I just couldn't imagine holding that from them, but we did not share it with the clinicians at large. So it was just sort of at the C-suite level. And that worked really well for me because I needed them in the sale process to help run reports, to even have conversations with prospective buyers. Forgive me, it's a little bit like dating. You're trying to find if it's a match. And so having their opinion was really important. And some of the buyers wanted to meet them as well. Which is only fair because they're buying the practice, which means they're buying, so to speak, the people in those positions, theoretically, and hopefully they'll stay. And so did it feel to you like your leadership team stayed with the practice because they had been included? I do think so. I think that I noticed that each of them 
I mean, I really believe in an abundant life and continuing to grow and expand and align our unique gifts with the need in the world to the greatest extent possible. And I wanted that for my leadership team. So they, I think, also saw this as an opportunity to really take ownership of their role and maybe expand it into something bigger. Um, a couple of those uh, members of my leadership team went on to serve as executive director of Urban Balance for a number of years. So that was nice to be able to pass the baton to people I loved and trusted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's kind of grown and some are still there. Some have moved on. It's all played out, I think, the way that it was supposed to. Right. It does play out the way that it's supposed to. I love that perspective. I've heard you speak about living an abundant life, Joyce, and it certainly seems like you do. So you're, you're living your belief. So clearly, as you were trying to figure out what the sale would look like, that was important to you as well, that there would be abundance for your team. So how did that play out in terms of your clinicians? Yes. For the clinicians, it was interesting because I think that they thought that whoever was stepping in, like Steve Gold, the CEO of Refresh, I think they imagined that he would be like me and and present in the office. And he wasn't. That's not his role. He's got a, a much bigger role. And so it really was almost like I opted out and then Refresh was there behind the scenes, supporting the leadership team in the way that I did. And nothing really changed for the clinicians, except that they got better insurance (laughs) because Refresh had much deeper pockets than I did. Refresh was able to afford to turn a lot of them to salary when I was not able to do that. So I think some things moved in a positive direction. Like with any change, some there were some things people didn't like. You know, they liked working for what felt, you know, like a smaller woman-owned business, for example. And then when it turned more corporate, some people were like, "Mm, this isn't maybe the place for me anymore. And that's okay too. So sometimes a a group practice is a stepping stone for people. And I, I know a lot of people who worked at Urban Balance went on to start their own practices or group practices. And Mm -hmm. the more, more of us helping people in the world, the better. So I think that's fabulous. And there's plenty of work for everybody, just plenty of work for everybody in that abundant sort of mindset. I love that. Absolutely. So Joyce, if you could just give us the top three things that some practice owner out in Kentucky is thinking about right now in terms of where do I begin? Step one would be what? And then step two and step three. Reach out to your accountant or financial consultant and look into the value of your practice. I think that's a good thing to know anyway. It can also give you insights into how to strengthen your business financially. Number two, start having conversations or educating yourself about what your options are. You know, who might be interested in the practice, who you might know. And, you know, even if it's saying, I'm not thinking about this for 10 years, but would you ever see this as as a possibility? That way, if something, God forbid, happens, your life changes in some way, you have a plan. And number three, I think get support 
from somebody who's been through it, somebody who's sold a business, it is a stressful process. It's like having a part-time job. And so making sure that when you decide to do that, that you have some bandwidth and you have some support, whether it's a therapist, a coach, somebody who's been through it, you're definitely going to need support. Those are fabulous. Yeah. And I just sold my house recently and bought a new one. So my mind is very much in that framework of, wow, boy, everybody digging into your personal business and your financials and wanting to know everything about you and where do you spend every penny? It's It, it can feel very intrusive, just that process. So I can imagine when somebody's coming in and wanting to see all of your books, talk to your people, get to know your team. You know, it, it's a very intimate thing to work with mental health. It's very intimate to have your own business and then to think about selling it. So those are really good tips. You will need support and to have the bandwidth. I love that. Any final pearls of wisdom, Joyce? My goodness. I think just to have a lot of self-compassion, it is humbling. And, you know, I, I'm proud of Urban Balance, but I made a thousand mistakes And when you go through that due diligence, you know, they see that and every practice has its strengths. Every practice probably has its deficits and we're all human. We're all works in progress. So just to hang on to your confidence, I definitely held the line in terms of some things that were not negotiable, even to the point of being willing to let the deal not happen. And so I I would encourage people to really hang on to your confidence. If you sell when it's not urgent, you can, you have the luxury to do that. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's one takeaway too, is if you can try not to do it when it's urgent, when they're trying to do it, when there's a crisis in your life or, or, you know, it has to be a fire sale. That's not what you want to do. And it sounds like the bulk of these deals do not come to fruition. The bulk of them fall apart somewhere along the way. So being patient, choosing the right people, having really good support. Those are really good pieces of advice, Joyce. Joyce Martyr, thank you so much. If people want to connect with you, what is the best way to find you? And again, folks, please get Joyce's book on Amazon. Uh, So we'll have that in the show notes too, but how can people connect with you? Thank you. My website is JoyceMarter.com, J-O-Y-C-E-M-A-R-T-E-R. And I'm on LinkedIn. I need Instagram love. So if anyone's on Instagram, I would appreciate that. And let's connect. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Joyce. And thank you all of you for being here with us today. Thank you, Chris Pertel, our producer, and also our fractional CFO, which everyone needs a conversation for another day. But thank you everyone for being here. We will look forward to having you with us next time. Be well. You've been listening to the Mental Health Business Mentor Podcast with Dr. Margot Jaco. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe so you don't miss an upcoming episode and head on over to the mentalhealthbusinessmentor.com website for resources and additional information. Thanks so much for listening and be well.